Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's Chad and Nate. Happy Friday out there to everyone. This is Chad and Nate. We got John Davis filling in for Nate. Nate's still off of playing fantasy football fun with his bros. So uh, I got the great John Davis uh, riding shotgun with me. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing awesome today, Chad. How you doing? Um, great. It's a Friday, and it is oh, yeah. uh, a day before the second Broncos preseason game, a rare daytime preseason game. Uh, one o'clock start out here in Buffalo, where is that's where I'm at. And, John, you're back there in Denver, 11 o'clock start back there. Uh, you know, I haven't had a chance to catch up with you since last Saturday's game. Uh, so before we dive into game two against Buffalo, let me get a rewind. And I always love talking to you, John, because – you know, everyone on the station has a little bit of a different take, obviously. Uh, but Nate and I are former players, so our take is going to be a little bit different than yours, which is a little bit more of a fan, you know, lifelong Bronco fan base kind of thing. So break down the, your experience or your thoughts from game one. Uh, I liked it. It goes back to the whole, you know, with the practices, are they going to, are they not going hard enough? They're going hard some days, but not others. What I liked between the joint practice with the Cowboys and the game last weekend is that when Nathaniel Hackett's team needs to compete, they do. And that, that was a big takeaway for me is they bring a lot of the energy. A couple things I liked, uh, uh, what stood out to me most was the defense. What I liked about it is under Vic Fangio's defense, to me, they didn't seem to do a lot of, I guess for lack of a better term, risk-taking uh, as far as like jumping routes. And I saw that more. We saw P.J. Locke get that interception. So I like that there's a little bit more playmaking being instilled in these defensive players. I think that was totally missing the last few years. You look at, you know, you played for Bill Belichick, Chad. What I like about his teams, you see the ball punched out all the time. And you see those players finishing the play, trying to make, they're not worried about, are we finishing top 10 anywhere? They're worried about making the play when it's time to make the play. Because the Cowboys did move the ball last week. But the Broncos were able to kind of stop them or make a play, and I like with P.J. Locke's interception. And then the other thing, obviously, was Baron Browning. Well, uh, the big thing with that is with these great teams, and I'm not saying the Broncos are great yet, but what you find with teams that succeed is you get players that rise up out of nowhere. You get the player that's like, oh, look at this guy, the guy that forces his way onto the field because he plays so well. And the Broncos hadn't had that in a long time. Philip Lindsay did it a few years ago. But, but the, the Broncos weren't any good, so ultimately it didn't matter. With this, you've got a guy making a name for himself, forcing the coaches to look at him, forcing the opposing team to look at him. So mostly it was defensive side of the ball for me. Josh Johnson, that was cool. I thought Kendall Hinton's touchdown was great. Um, I thought his position, where he was looking, his separation, his route running, all of that was, was really amazing, and I think that's something to look forward to with Kendall Hinton. But overall, it was the defense seemed much more opportunistic, and we maybe got a guy that's going to stand out this year that we weren't expecting to in Baron Browning. Okay. Uh, now, you know, kind of talk about the, the, the play on the field. What do you think about uh, Coach Hackett and his you know, uh, use of the two-minute situation at the end of the first half, recognizing they were going to get the ball in the second half, those back-to-back possessions, all that kind of coaching acumen, uh, you know, uh, managing the game aspect? Well, that well for one, he was comfortable on the sideline, unlike his predecessor was when when he started. So I thought that was good. Um, I also thought no, the two minute because he called a timeout 
if I remember correctly, he, Nathaniel Hackett called a timeout to preserve time for his team to get the ball back at the end yeah. of the first half. So that was, that was very savvy of him. That was forward thinking. That was macro thinking. He's looking at the game as a whole. And they got the ball pretty deep, too, in their own territory. And Nathaniel Hackett's calling the plays, got him down there, got him into field goal range, took some, took some shots, kind of seemed to have a real plan about how they wanted to go about it versus just getting out of the half. It was aggressive. Uh, that's what I liked. And his team seemed prepared for that. And so from Hackett, from a game management standpoint, what I like that I'm seeing is it appears, well, and again, he, he's looking at everything as a whole. He's looking at how he wants to do things. But his players seem to understand the decision he's going to make. His players don't seem to be caught off guard by how Nathaniel Hackett's going to approach certain situations. And because of that, they were able to get down there. The Cowboys committed one of their 38 penalties. Uh, they missed the field goal. And then the Broncos were able to get another field goal. So with that, um, the team seems to just have a very deep understanding of their coach's philosophy. And that's why I think they're able to execute some of those things we saw. All right. Now, we've, you know, all been riding the high of uh, the game one. And so many things went well. Um, but in, in the training camp process, it's impossible for, you know, all of it to be smooth. I, I, the best teams I've ever been around, there's just simply going to be off days. And it sounds like yesterday at practice was one of those off days. Does that give you uh, some concern? Are you willing just to chalk it up to, you know, it's been a long time, it's been a grinded camp, it's been this, it's been that, and it's just inevitable that at some point your team is going to not be focused, have drops, uh, execution errors, all those kinds of things. Yeah, hey, look, I I do stand-up comedy. I've seen the best stand-up comedians bomb on stage. (laughs) So (laughs) I've seen it go real bad for for some of the best you've ever seen. So with that, to me, it's it's, we haven't heard you know, we've heard slower days. We've heard days with the defense one. Yesterday seemed to kind of be the first time where, where players seem to be cranky and seem to be agitated and things seem to just not be going their way. If it starts to add up, then I'm going to have an issue with it. But right now, no. I know it, got, it seemed to maybe even get a little testy yesterday between maybe the offense. and the, I think Tyler was saying Justin Simmons and Russell Wilson might have been kind of looking at each other. Um, that's competitiveness. And, yes, they played Dallas, but none of those guys played Dallas. So they're all itching to go out and play and hit somebody and succeed against somebody other than each other. Um, if, it, if it continues, I mean, there, there is something to watch with this offense. It is new. They haven't been ultimately consistent. And the wide receiver room is a total question mark to me right now. If it spills over, you know, into games, we'll see. Right now, practice, you have off days. I'm not going to lose it on them for that. Okay, now... This whole stand-up comedy thing fascinates me, by the way. Mm, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm blown away by the folks who are able to do that. I think it is the rawest form of entertainment, uh, maybe outside of something a little bit more uh, lewd or something. Um, just the, the ability to go up and evoke emotions, because laughter is an emotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, joy, pleasure is an emotion. Evoke emotions from people just simply with you and a microphone. Now, I know there's prop comedians and folks like that, but most stand-up comedians, it's just you, your words, some expressions, and you lay yourself to bear in front of an audience and hope that they can give you back what you're open for. I'm, uh, I'm blown away by folks who can do that. So tip of the cap to you just from a pure bravery and courage standpoint. Um, but I'm sure you're here all the time, man. Tell me a joke. You think you're funny? Tell me a joke. Is that something you hear all the time? I, I hear it all the time. Oh, yeah, let me hear it. And I tell them every time, you got to come to the show. 
You gotta come to the show because if I tell it just sitting there, it it does terrible. Like it's such right. a, it's not the right context. But yeah, you want to hear me tell the joke? Come to the show. That's that's my response every time because I do get that. Like, well, what do you what do you say? Tell me what you talk about. And then it's like, no, no, no. You got to come see me in the right context. Right. When I go to a comedy show, uh, I am prepared to laugh. I am the right frame. I, I, I'm going hoping to laugh. I'm optimistic. I'm I'm rooting for this comedian to give me something funny, man. I want to laugh. I, I've paid my 45 bucks. I want uh, I want roughly 60 minutes of laughter. I want my, my cheeks to be a little bit sore by the time I leave here. That that's that, You are an ideal audience member. Because some people come with their arms crossed and say, I paid $45. You better make me laugh. What's and that, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I've had people sit through a whole show and not laugh. And it's like, did you not know? Did you not know what you came for? So, no. Right. You, yeah, Chad, you, you are ideal. We need we need all of, we need you times 50 at every show. <laughs> well, I'm that dude. I'm that dude. I am showing up with my laugh muscle already warmed up. I probably listened to some comedy on the drive over. Oh, yeah. You know, it's uh, I'm all about it, man. I am all about a good laugh. Sometimes on the road, like, I, you know, I'm in Buffalo right now. Last night when, when I was... Uh, uh, try to put myself to sleep. Okay, let me go to uh, YouTube. Pulled up uh, a few uh, Cat Williams clips. Oh, why go. not go to bed with a smile? You know <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying? He's, he's he, his special from 06 is in my top five favorite of all time. Uh, Which one is that one? Um, Chronicles. Uh, was, Okay, I don't, I don't right. know if I can say the first part, of the, the, <laughs> <laughs> the name of the special, but uh, the Chronicles. <laughs> Never in the history of blank. Right. I yeah. know which one you're talking yep. about. There we go. All right. Uh, when we come back, we've got to talk about the preseason controversy that still rages on. Uh, Brandon Lloyd was filling in for Stink earlier, and uh, Brandon Lloyd's got a slightly different take than Stink does, which aligns more with uh, some of the uh, thoughts from a lot of former players on the station. I want to get your take, John, when we come back. So we come back. Should the starters play? If they do play, how much? If John Davis was wearing a Nathaniel Hackett hat, who would he play and for how long? We'll dive into all that next. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's Chad and Nate. He always wants to be out there. You saw him warming up. You know, he, he loves this game. He loves his team. Uh, any opportunity that, you know, he can step inside the white lines, it's a privilege. And, you know, he realizes that every time you put a helmet on, you know, you don't know what's going to happen the next play. So he really loves this game, and that's what we love about him. Uh, but, yeah, we're, we're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to do that. Coach Outen talking about... Russ and other starters uh, getting antsy in this preseason and wanting to play. Uh, players want to play. And to a certain extent, John Davis filling in for Nate Jackson today. Uh, players are there to protect you from yourself. Um, when I was on with James Merrillat yesterday, I explained the concept of the tyranny of the urgent versus the important. It is urgent that these coaches get this team ready to play for game one Monday night against Seattle. It's important that they go into the season as healthy as possible. And your job as a coach is try to find the balance of the urgent needs versus the important needs, the short-term urgency, the long-term important. How do we balance this? How do we get this team ready to go while maintaining having the right guys healthy and ready to go? Yeah, and it's and that's – that, that's kind of the whole thing with all of it is right now it's it, it is you do this is a weird analogy i have a friend who owns a crossfit gym 
and he closes it down when there's a snowstorm because he knows people will drive to the gym in the snowstorm, and he doesn't want them risking themselves over one workout. He protects them from themselves a lot of the time, and right now, I, I get where Hackett's from. I get the players want to get out there. But right now, it's one preseason game. They've already lost Tim Patrick. And this is a team that's lost a lot of players to injury in recent years. It's a one. It's a 17-game season. It's much longer. So the philosophy right now, things are shifting. And I think right now, I think they're doing a good job protecting these guys. Who, ca- who cares? I mean, ultimately, I have a good memory, so I remember preseason games. But nobody, nobody's going to remember how you did against Buffalo. And if, if it's a little rusty against Seattle, but it's better late in the season and everybody's healthier, because you, ha- you have to get that Seattle game. You do. And do you stand a better chance if you have, like, one drive against Buffalo, two drives against Buffalo, and maybe you get somebody hurt? Or do you stand a better chance nobody playing, but you have everybody healthy and you're just a little rusty week one? See, I go towards the, you know, the thought that football is a game of inches and games come down to three points or less. You know, uh, a third of the games each weekend come down to three points or less. So if we're going to look at football as the, you know, the ultimate battle of one or two plays here or there, and those plays are going to be decided by an inch or two. Uh, yes, I know it's a couple of weeks. This game is tomorrow against Buffalo from the Monday nighter against Seattle. But if you're able to gain an inch or two, that could be the margin between victory and defeat. It is, it is that narrow out there on a football field. So, so for a football team that's trying to come together with a first-time head coach and first-time coordinators and a new quarterback, uh, try to bring all those pieces together and expect them somehow to come together uh, week one, uh, Monday night against Seattle without any all-first-team preseason action. Um that would give me some major concern. And this is, I'm speaking from a, a, just a, a coaching standpoint at this point, much less a player standpoint. I played 15 years, and I needed to get preseason action. I know every player wasn't like me. We're all different out there. Some guys were able to get by with just a you know, series or two. I needed action almost every single game to make incremental improvement with my technique, my hand placement, my foot placement, my knee bend, all those kind of small nuanced things got better each week during the preseason. Therefore, when I hit the, the ground on the on game one of the opening uh, opening day, I was ready to roll. I wasn't trying to work my way through my technique. I had honed that through the preseason process. And with that, everybody was doing that when you were doing that as well, right? All the teams were kind of operating under that same everybody plays, you know, first first two games of preseason, it's a series of two, third game's a dress rehearsal, nobody plays in the fourth. But every team was doing that. So when you got to the regular season, everybody was kind of level set. It's not really like that anymore. And a lot of teams are using that week one more so is the, okay, now now's where we kind of shake everything off. Since everybody's doing that and it keeps you more healthy, you still think it's the way to go to get the players on the field and, and as you say, kind of get all that technique together? Well, I think there's also a callousing and toughening up process in the preseason work as well. So you can stay healthier in the early part of the season. If you're going to ask me to go from zero full contact tackling, 
which would be the case for Justin Simmons. If Justin Simmons does not play at all in the preseason, uh, during training camp, at least all the practices that I was at, and maybe they're going to do something where the media's not available, but my understanding there's going to be no full-speed tackling at all during practice. You're going to go, if you're Justin Simmons, from your last tackle being in January last year, to your first tackle being in September in Seattle on Monday night. That is a long time between tackles, and your body has to be toughened for that. You have to hone the technique. There is a way to tackle another human being without hurting yourself. But I tell you what, the first time you do it, it's a little bit awkward. It's painful. Is there a chance you put your elbow out wrong? Now you bang your elbow funny on the ground. Is your, do you not wrap your hands fully around? Now you hit your wrist funny. All that stuff happens because you don't get the reps at it. Um, so to go from, oh, I haven't tackled in uh, basically nine months to now I'm going to tackle some another human being ten times in one night, uh, that for me also brings up a health concern. While we're talking about keeping the guys healthy, I suppose you'd want the guys healthy uh, in, or at least if they're going to get injured, get injured in a regular season game. But I'm not sure if that's the best way to help them actually prevent injuries by not exposing them to any of that stuff during the preseason. And that, that's that's kind of the whole thing where because I, I I do I do flip flop on this, which I know isn't a popular thing. I think it is. There's a philosophical kind of approach to all of this. Because we did see it work in Green Bay. Well, Green Bay got blown out week one last year, so maybe we didn't see it work. Crushed, we, yeah, they, they, by, by a team that really wasn't very good, to be honest, with the Saints. But a good defense. But we saw it work with the Rams. So we, we, we have seen, but those teams, were, they were pretty established. I know the Rams had a new quarterback, but they were overall established in what they did between coaching and players, philosophy, all of that. Everybody was kind of in tune. And to your point, too, the Broncos, I can think of multiple games week ones that came down to field goals when you're talking about the inches. You know, 2018, they were here against Seattle, field goal. 2007, Buffalo, field goal. So that is very common for week one to be to be tightly contested. Maybe you want to have a little bit more, you know, a little bit more comfortability. And then you're talking about, you know, the players making tackles. I imagine for wide receivers as well, getting hit for the first time is something you want to kind of shake off as well and maybe go into the season not not really preparing for that first hit but I just with this Broncos team with the injuries you saw last uh, last and maybe this is to your point but Jerry Judy played in the preseason last year he played he played Minnesota he played against Seattle he still got hurt week one uh, against the Giants KJ Hamler played in the preseason he still got hurt early on in the season so injuries can happen I think anywhere whether guys play in the preseason or not with the amount of injuries this team has had between Bradley Chubb, between Jerry Judy and, and Cortland Sutton in the past few years, I think right now they've been snake bit so much. And even though Hackett wasn't here, one thing they have to do is hit this season as healthy as possible. They're already down Tim Patrick. Randy Gregory's not 100%. Um, if, if things were in the right tackle still not figured out, I don't think they're in the position right now to risk any more injuries because they're still figuring out that depth behind the starters are pretty good, but they're still figuring out that depth. I don't think they want to start behind like they ended up having to do last year. Once they lost everybody. <sighs> yeah. And you know, uh, the, the, the conversation on the text line over, uh, you know, me and my partners, uh, I guess pushback, uh, skepticism about this plan. Uh, the, the text lines like, come on, fellas, you know, uh, 
Old school football's done. You guys got to bring your mindsets to 2022. This is how the game is going to be played. And it's, it's, it's not so much of a old man get off my lawn. It's not so much of back in my day. Right. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's less to do with uh, some kind of pushback about, oh, you know, we did it the right way and just more of, I'd like, as a football player, to be prepared for the season. I felt prepared by getting preseason action. The years where, due to injury or rehabbing, that I wasn't able to get my full preseason work in, uh, I didn't feel as prepared going out there and playing. So this is just simply a, a, a I won't call it even a criticism, this is just a fact-based rebuttal or, or pushback on what I'm seeing from the preparation for this team. And I know if I were on this team that I would like a little bit more preseason action. I would not want to go into game one without any full speed tackling under my belt. I would not feel very comfortable about that from a physical close contact short yardage goal line perspective and also from an open field tackling perspective, which is the hardest skill of all, I think, to, to master as an NFL football player. So, um, yeah, I, my concern is much less of jealousy. I've been told I'm jelly jell. You're, you're peanut butter you're and jelly. Jealous of everybody. You played 15 years He's in the NFL and you're jealous. And jealous. <laughs> It's yes. Yeah, played for Bill Belichick and Bill Cower, but he's jealous all of a sudden. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of stuff, it's, it's got nothing to do with that. And this, um, I want this Broncos football team to do well. I want the best players on this team to play well. I want those guys to go out there in game one and feel ready to roll. Having said all that, I understand sometimes the coach's job is to protect you from yourself. So uh, we shall see. When we come back, uh, we've got to uh, dive into the Buffalo, the rumors are they're going to play a number of starters. This is a great opportunity to see these backups who we kind of fell in love with in game one. How do they stand up to starter quality out there uh, tomorrow versus Buffalo? But first, uh, let's hear from Spilly and how the Rockies fared yesterday. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's Chad and Nate. I think that's the best. I mean, that's the best evaluation you could possibly get. We want to see who can come out there and play versus the best in the league. So I think it's an unbelievable opportunity for those guys to step up and show what they can do. Coach Hackett talking about evaluating the Bronco backups versus Buffalo's starters. Uh, don't know quite um, how much the starters for Buffalo are going to play. John Davis, uh, not uh, don't have a. There's rumors they're going to play, but don't know exactly how much. But when you talk about guys like Josh Allen and Zach Moss at the running back position and Stephon Diggs at the wide receiver spot, uh, those would be some considerable challenges for this defense. And when we open the show, John, you said how impressed you were with this Broncos defense. Now making a chance to see those guys going against one of the best offenses in the league. Yeah, I guess we'll find out how good the depth really is on the right. defensive <laughs> side of the ball. And they're going at it. But it is. It's it's more – it's probably – I mean, does DJ Jones get more value out of going up against them or does McTelvin Ajin get more value going up against the Bills? You know, number one, or the top offense, you know, in a lot of people's minds, a Super Bowl contender for that matter. Is it, it – like Patrick Sertan, what does he get from going against Stephon, D- or Stephon Diggs? A lot. Other, okay, so – and that's kind of the argument because there was the thing last year. The Broncos went to Dallas last year. For one, the Broncos own the Cowboys. It's unbelievable how much they've dominated them in the past six months, ten months, whatever. But they played a lot of backups in that Dallas game last year that I think a lot of people forget that. They, they were down quite a few players on that front seven and on the offensive line. Definitely on the offensive line. But 
they went out there and they dominated that game. So you're going to have injuries. It's a 17-game season. This always comes back to injuries. But I think, I think these younger players going up against a top team, if they have to play one of these better teams this year, whether it be the Chiefs or the Raiders, getting that, hey, you know, I held my own against the Buffalo Bills earlier this preseason. They can get a lot out of that, find out what they're made of. Now, if they get dominated, who knows? And that could very well happen. But they played Buffalo a couple seasons ago, and it looked like backups when we played them late in the year 2020. It looked like we were playing backups. So um, I, th- I think it's good for the younger players to go at it. They're riding high from the Cowboys game. Maybe they get humbled a little bit. Maybe we find out some guys like Baron Browning are a little bit more for real. Uh, you know, I think there will be a slice of humble pie passed out. Most likely. Going against most likely. The, the Buffalo <laughs> in most spots. But at the same time, there's a lot to be learned. You know, you as a player, uh, the best players always find a way to continue to step up their games. Um, and you're, that only occurs when there's a higher level of competition out there for you. Um, you know, as a high school player, I went to UCLA football camp, and they brought in players from all over the country for this football camp. And after five days of practice, I was like, okay, I'm a better player because somehow when I, the first time I saw that kid from New York, he was way better than me. But the, by day three or four, I, my, I adapted my skill set to match his level. So for a guy like Michael Ojemudia, who I know has been in the NFL for a couple of years, but if he is forced to go – you know, a number of reps versus Stefan Diggs, uh, you know, there's going a little bit of a, a sink or swim kind of thing happening. Um, but at the same time, you look at that and you begin to either step your game up and gain confidence or you realize where your technique is lacking, what I've got to work on. And I'm able to put some stuff on tape where I can coach myself up, coach myself up off of that. This is what he did. This is how he sold me on this route. I've got to look for that next time. So the, just the prospect of seeing the best players in the league uh, should force you to become a better player. Yeah, and, and that's that's what I think they're going to get out of it. And that, that's why I like this. Well, I'm not – again, I go back and forth with whether the Broncos should play their starters. I love that the Bills are playing their starters. I love that this Broncos team, this coaching staff even, you might see the Bills in the playoffs, that you get a close-up look at them. As well, and and you're right, Michael Ojemudia, guys like that, Kendall Hinton. You know, if they're playing the Bills' top secondary, Kendall Hinton's a guy that may end up with more playing time early on in the year than anybody thought. KJ Hamler's back out of practice. We still don't know what that looks like when the week the, the season starts. They haven't brought in a new receiver, so let's see how you do going up against a defense full of number ones. Let's see if you're able to get open. I'm not so much worried about the quarterback position like Josh Johnson because if we see him at all this season, we're screwed. Like that's not that doesn't matter. <laughs> the Broncos are screwed. Like it doesn't. If he's in there, that doesn't matter. But can these receivers get open? Whether it's completed, I almost don't even care. Can they get open against it? And also, they're going up against a number one defense. Let's see how that run game, if it improves at all. But I, I, I'm totally with you on that. These younger guys, they get better simply by watching, being out there, going up against the better players. Baron Browning, can you get a sack on Josh Allen? Can you pressure Josh? That was great you did it against whoever that was in Dallas last week. Let's see you do it against a team that many people think are going to win the Super Bowl. That's how he stakes his claim that last week wasn't a fluke. Go out there and do it against one of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of these kind of matchups all along the board when you put up the Bills starters versus the guys who we expect to play for the Broncos. Um, even if it's uh, even Calvin, if Calvin Anderson starts this game, he's got uh, Greg Rousseau, first round pick from Miami, uh, going on one side, and he's got Von Miller mm. on the other side. The revenge so, game. Uh, 
Yes. So so Calvin Anderson, uh, you know, there's been some question marks. Can you hold on to this spot? Is it? Are you holding on to it for Billy Turner uh, when he's able to be healthy? Well, you got a chance to solidify this bad boy here and show the coaches you're ready to go. Because if they go with their starters, you got some two dudes on the edges who can put some pressure on the quarterback. Actually, there's three because there's Epinesa as well. Mm. So AJ Epinesa, Von Miller, and Greg Rousseau. Those are all guys who can get after the quarterback. All those guys would be great tests for Calvin Anderson to see out there tomorrow. Uh, on the inside, if it's Quinn Miners, if he gets to go, then you got Ed Oliver, who's a mm. great interior pass rusher as well. Very quick, smaller guy. And something that Quinn Miners has had trouble with all camp long. So there's a lot to be said if uh, the Bronco coaches don't go with the full starters of Russell Wilson and everybody, but play some of these guys, guys like Quinn Miners, who, can, who could use some reps. Calvin Anderson, who could use some reps going against the guys I just mentioned. So it doesn't have to be a full starter all the way across the board, all 11, but some of these other guys who maybe haven't proven themselves in the league, this would be a great opportunity and a great proving ground for them. Yeah, and, and you, bring up, you bring up the offensive line, and that's because this, this AFC West has Khalil Mack and Bosa, and and Chandler Jones and and Max Crosby out there with the Raiders, so they're going to get it all year. And in the offensive line, we've seen you know we've seen lineups change a lot over the years. So yeah, let's see how they can do it because Billy Turner, Billy Turner's like Jonas Griffith, where yes, you're the starter, but it's not you could lose that job too if you're not careful. And if Calvin Anderson goes out there, he can take that job by showing out. And and with Russell Wilson, it's never good when your quarterback gets, you know, gets blitzed. It was bad when it was Flacco here, if it was Keenum. But now with Russell Wilson and the expectations on this team, sacks getting sacked carries more value because it could be the difference between the AFC West and wild card or wild card and not making the playoffs. You spoke earlier about how close games are and the Broncos are going to probably be in a lot of close games this year, giving up sacks at crucial times hurts this team more than it has in the past six years because of where they can go. So there's a lot of guys on this offensive line going up against an Ed Oliver, who I think is underrated. I've always thought he's really good. And going up, and yeah, we, we have Von Miller coming back. Um, it, it's amazing he's playing in preseason, given how old he is and how injured he's been recently. But no, this offensive line, is it's, it, there's going to be guys rotating in and out this year. So these guys going up against top players, that's that's maybe the biggest thing they can take away from this game. Plus the run game really struggled last week, the run blocking game. So they need to get better at that as well. All right, we come back. Uh, special teams have been a, uh, gosh, a, a headache for Bronco fans and Bronco coaches for a, a long period of time. Uh, we saw Coach Stoops doing some things last week, trying to work his team with the shorter kicks. Of course, McManus has got such a strong leg. Some of those kicks actually went into the end zone when he was supposed to kick them short. But Montrell Washington had a splash return. Uh, what do you think about this young guy? I'll ask John Davis about that next. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's Chad and Nate. Football Friday. John Davis filling in for Nate Jackson. Make sure you register for the King Supers Fan Football Pick'em. Uh, time to get registered for your chance to win free groceries for a year. Sign up at DenverFan.com slash picks and go head-to-head all season with all the fan hosts. 
Uh, I'm coming to kick butt this year, John Davis. Uh, I haven't taken the fan football pick them quite as seriously in the past, but uh, this year I'm bringing the funk, man. I'm bringing the noise. Just know this. You better. So for like the first six weeks last year, I didn't take it seriously, and then I started taking seriously, and I was doing extremely well every week, and I probably would have won had I not goofed off the first six weeks. So, yeah, no, I'm coming after everybody. This year, I like I like talking smack to everybody. I love beating all the former athletes and letting them know that at 132 pounds, I know more about football than they do. So it's a uh, it's a it's a lot of fun. So I'm coming for the crown this year. Oh, you're coming for the crown? Okay, that's okay. Right. Well, um, as they say, man, is on like Donkey Kong. There we go. For you. There we there go. We go. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Coach Stukes uh, talked about uh, Montreal Washington's ability to uh, escape on kick returns. We got some sound from Coach Stukes. I think part of it is, and I think part of it is survival as a returner. You know what I'm saying? Like, those guys don't want to get hit, and they're, the emphasis is to score. That's the, again, the standard for us is very high. The standard for Montreal is very high. The expectations are high for Montreal. I thought, again, I thought he did a good job, and him avoiding it is his athleticism, his agility, uh, and also his vision. He can feel and see those, those uh, tacklers coming. So, of, of course, he wants to avoid them because our goal is to score at some point this year, hopefully multiple times. Uh, Montreal Washington, I think, showed a lot of promise out there in week one on special teams and in the receiver game as as well. Um, yeah, and there's certain guys who I've been on teams with in the past who just have an ability to do all the, I call it mental math, as you're, <laughs> I know yeah. all math is mental, <laughs> right. but, it, but it literally is. I mean, you're, you're running down the field and you are constantly recalculating um, you're doing it in your head you're doing all yes. the work in your head no paperwork R- right there we go so it's mental math not paperwork math exactly <laughs> there we go. that's a better way to explain it thank you john um but you're doing this constant recalculation of mental math if i'm running this speed and if i take this angle then i can beat that guy but there's another guy behind him so now i've got to recalculate that first angle because i want to also beat this second guy so it's this constant process and the best guys the best returners i've ever been around have that ability to to do that constantly throughout the throughout a return while at the same time it's Coach Stukes wisely pointed out, there's a bit of a survival mode in your head as well. Because let's face it, Montreal Washington at 5'10", 170, uh, he's not looking to get hit by anybody out there. No, and he's and it, it's it, it is exciting to have a play because I watched highlights of him in college. He, now I see what like I, I, it's like oh that's why they drafted him. It's been a while since the Broncos had a guy that is a factor on special teams to where the other team when game planning for the Broncos they have to say okay. When we punt the ball, you know this 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 could be this could get really bad really quick if we're not careful. Uh, the, the special teams of the Broncos has been so bad in recent years. It's been more of a let's just hope we don't screw this up versus let's be a factor when we're out there. They brought in Montreal Washington. I mean specifically to draft a guy just for special teams. Now, like you said, they're clearly trying to integrate him into the offense as well. But when a guy when a guy can do that and frustrate teams and get big returns, the Broncos. When they won Super Bowls, special teams played a huge factor. You go at Darian Gordon was returning punts, you know, in, in those years, and he was he was very good at that in 97, 98. And then you go back a couple years ago with the Patriots, it, it wasn't so much the return game, but it or when the 2015 when they beat the Patriots, you know, Cody Latimer and Kayvon Webster's gunners were extremely effective. And there, so special teams needs to become a factor for the Broncos again. Montreal, Washington. I liked what I saw last week. Like you, you talked about, very instinctual on the field. He didn't get a lot of opportunities to necessarily home run it last week, but clearly 
They're putting him out there. It's a, it's his job to lose. I don't think he's going to lose it. I'd like to see him kind of get loose a little bit in this preseason, maybe break a 20-yarder or something like that so we can get excited about it. Now, uh, Isaiah McKenzie, former Bronco return guy, he's starting to have a lot of success out there in Buffalo. So he's their number one returner, and he's become a featured part of their offense. So uh, it'll be interesting to kind of from a Bronco fan perspective to see this guy who couldn't quite get it done uh, in Denver and now has found a niche and a role for himself out there in Buffalo. Yeah, he got a new contract from Buffalo, too. Like, they liked him yes. enough to, to, to re-sign him after his rookie deal. Yeah, sometimes it's about fit. So another smaller guy, 5'8", 173, did have some ball security issues, yep. which we, you know, yep. was probably the biggest factor in him no longer being a Denver Bronco was, hey, man, get on to the ball. Yeah, because even... Cool. He took a punt back his second, the year they cut him. He did return a punt for a touchdown that preseason. Isaiah McKenzie did, if I remember correctly, and they still cut him. So that shows you that that ball security can, that can overshadow anything else you can do. You put the ball on the ground as a return guy that can, that can kind of doom you going forward. Yeah, and the Broncos teams weren't uh, certainly good enough, uh, at least from an offensive perspective, <laughs> right. to be able to handle a guy who who gives the ball back to the other team. Okay, well, the special teams unit, uh, we also saw uh, Coach Stukes trying to get the kickoff coverage and the punt coverage guys going. Um, not necessarily doing a lot of uh, punting out of bounds, or trying to actually trying to keep the ball inbounds to really get a chance to see what these coverage guys have. It is the uh, ultimate test of your football desire passion and, I don't know, football manhood in some ways, to run down on kickoff when you know they are purposely short-kicking it to see what you got. Um, and that happened a couple of times last week. I expect to see more of that out there tomorrow as well. Yeah, I hope so, because I think the Broncos gave up two kick return touchdowns last year or something something embarrassing like that, something that you should never allow happening. Yeah, let's see who takes pride in this. Back in the day, the Broncos had guys, Keith Burns was an unbelievable mm -hmm. special teams mm -hmm. player. David mm -hmm. Bruton wasn't incredible. They weren't starters on the defensive side of the ball. Cody Latimer, I mentioned earlier, was not a starter. But these are guys that took very took a lot of pride in how they played on special teams, on getting downfield, on making those big hits, on causing fumbles, on making those big plays. So let's see who gets excited for that. Joe Mays was a linebacker. He was he was really good on special teams. Where have those players been for the Denver Broncos? And is it about you know if you're playing in the NFL, it, you have talent. Is Stooks and Stooks seems like a guy that motivates these players to get down down there and do it. And by kicking it short, they're challenging them. You know, let's 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 see what you can do. Let's make it happen. So I want to see some players pop. Players take pride. You can make a career in the NFL being a special teams ace, and you can be an integral part of a winning team being a special teams ace like Keith Burns, like David Bruton. So who are those guys on these team on this team? And can Coach Stooks motivate them to do that? That is that's kind of a not as much talked about part of this preseason, but it's a spot where a lot of these dudes can make this team. Yeah, uh, you've got to shore up that unit if you're expecting to win this division. Um, and we talked about it a, a number of times. I want to get your, your take on, on this thought. Um, with the quarterbacks in this division, maybe the best quarterback division of all time, in some ways, could you possibly see these offenses uh, canceling each other out 
And this division actually comes down to who plays the best defense and, and to go along with that, who ends up playing the best special teams. All these quarterbacks, all these quarterback-minded coaches, all these great receivers in this division, all this offense, at some point, it just kind of levels the playing field. So where do you gain an advantage? Maybe on the defensive side of the ball, which would be helped, obviously, by playing good special teams and establishing some great field position. But yeah, that, that special teams, that's, that's going to be the whole thing. Is One of the Broncos' biggest problems in recent years is their average starting field position has just been terrible. And, you know, with, with you're going you're gonna to be able to score, like you said, cancel each other out. But it's going to matter sometimes. Maybe you do need a big return to shorten that field late in the game uh, to, to get down for that field goal. And, and maybe you need to, you know, pin somebody back late in the game and flip-flop the field because the, the, the offenses are going to cancel each other out. So when you do get opportunities, because you're not going to just stop the Kansas City Chiefs. You're not just going to stop the Chargers. And with Josh McDaniels calling plays, who knows? You might stop those guys. But it's, it, it, <laughs> it's, it's you can you can those you go back to the 2012 Broncos Ravens game. That game, a lot of Sandy Clough and I were talking about this last week. A lot of people forget Trendon Holiday is why the Broncos were even in that game for most of the game. He returned he returned two of it was a punt and a kick or two kicks for touchdowns. In that game, that's what kept the Broncos in that game. So you might get a game where that punt return ends up being the difference. You might get a game where blocking that punt or pinning them back in between, you know, the five and the ten. Again, I go back to what you said: game of inches. That one field goal, pinning them back, not giving them enough time to go down the field. That could be the difference in the entire game. So they do have to be sound at all three levels, and you do end up relying on the special teams and the defense when you and the other team are both throwing four touchdowns a game. All right, so uh, was that a bit of fandom coming out from you? Say, just assuming Josh McDaniels is is going to suck. Is that Josh traded a first round pick for a second round pick straight up? I don't trust anybody that does that to make any sound decision when under pressure. (laughs) I would assume Josh has learned quite a bit. Uh, since his time as the head coach of the Denver Broncos, you know, had a stint with the Rams, went back to New England. Uh, you know, there's been yeah. some success. The Rams loved him then. so much they let him leave before the season was over. They loved him so much. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so there's there's you're not a Josh McDaniels fan. So no. it's always interesting when we talk about this division and certain guys are on on air. Uh, there's some Josh McDaniels hate. Uh, Nate Jackson's got a little personal feelings towards oh, Josh yeah. McDaniels because of their time together with the Denver Broncos uh, and then there's always the uh, charges are going to charge her you know I, I just don't think it's wise if you're really going to look at this division other than in a joking way kind of in a fan way to look at the Raiders and think oh they're going to suck because Josh McDaniels is their coach or the Chargers are going to be awful because the Chargers are always going to charge her uh, you know teams do get better and as much as we want to rely upon these cliches the Chargers have got a really, really good defense, and Brandon Staley will be better in year two. Josh McDaniels has got a quarterback in Derek Carr. He's got receivers in Javante Adams and, and Waller and Renfro. He's got weapons out there. I just don't think we can dismiss these guys with a, you know, a, a, a cliche and think that's going to somehow put the Broncos on top of them. Yeah, uh, uh, jo- Josh was able to con Derek Carr into that that ridiculous contract to get him to sign. So. I see Josh is still in there meddling with the starting quarterback, the incumbent. And he, he you know, I'll give Josh this. He, he's an incredible coach with Tom Brady as his quarterback. Um, but uh, he will, uh, I, uh, I, I, think, uh, I think Josh, I'll give him this credit. I'm assuming in the last 20 years he's learned don't trade a first-round pick for a second-round pick straight up. So maybe if he's learned from that, the Raiders aren't totally screwed this year. 
All right, we'll go with that. Uh, when we come back, uh, it's always fun being on with you, John, because just like my regular partner, Nate, you are also an author. you got an article up on DenverFan.com. We will dive into that next. Do your job and quit making f- up. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.